Welcome everyone, listeners, to another episode of Crew 3. It's slow news week, but with I'm your host, Ruckman. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, Chris and Ricky. Gentlemen, say hi. Hey. Hi, how's it going? All right, so as we were saying, it's a slow pioneer news week, but a pretty good news week for Magic the Gathering. Let's start off with a big congratulations to one Paolo Vitor Dominarosa, your new Magic World Champion. Round of applause, everyone. Mm-hmm. So, Chris, I know we cut you off last time. But uh, how does this forward the argument on is Paula the goat? Yeah, he did it. That's it. Numero is uno. Is he the goat now? Is Number he the goat one. now? Number one, right there. Number one? Numero like, uno. Like, of now or of all time? Yeah, of all time. I definitely think he's past Kai, but, like, I think it's still close between him and Finkel. Yeah, I, I think it's close. And, again, I'm just doing this just for, gonna, you know. We're just going to disregard a one Luis Scott Vargas? Or we just, he's Vargas. just nobody, right? Look, I mean, is, LSV's in the top five, and, you know, uh, there's always that meme that will be... Actually, Luis is a meme machine. He's got the uh, the one that we share back and forth of why you're looking at her, and, of course, the three soul rings, right? <laughs> um, but Luis is good, and I definitely think he's a top five, uh, just like I think there are plenty of, you know, other names we aren't mentioning here. Uh, even maybe, you know, like, is, like, a Gabe Nassif, who was also competing at Worlds, is he in, like... A top five, a top ten contention, right? Not, a, not anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore? No. Even though he placed at Worlds? <clears throat> no. I think Nasif is still, like, doing stuff. He's still in, like, the running of, like, top ten. Yeah, yeah. I, I would give him top ten, top twenty, but, like, there's more players now. There's more stuff going on, and um, Paolo just still, like, just still finds ways to win. The dude's got, like, a top eight per year for the last, like million years or something i mean he he puts he puts in like a pro tour worthy career every like five years essentially or a hall of fame worthy career like every five years was the breakdown i saw i mean you know lsv has like technically would have like multiple hall of famed by now if that was a thing you could do again i just i just think like again i love lsv and he's definitely in my top five but like you know i don't think he's Kai Finkel or or PVDDR. Yeah, I mean, like, I think he has like a third of the top eights that Paolo does or something. Like it's like, right? He's he's just Paolo just. He's not a like bad a magic player. I'm 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 like, I'm not saying Paolo's a bad magic player because he's just like, he's just kind of been one of the best magic players. You know? But I, I feel like he's got a little bit of a disadvantage because like he's not an he's not an American. You know? Right. Well, I like, also li- think that I think he has an advantage in your heart. Because I know a one Christopher Scott Winnier Klein mm-hmm. uh, loves long names. Very true. Very true. Yeah, long, uh-huh. long name brothers here. So uh, I, I do know that he has that going for you. Um, I I can I will concede that he's at least in like the top five. So I can say that it is feasible that you can name him the is best. LSV, is LSV your number one pro of all time though? Like. Is that your argument? Or are you saying LSV is number one over Finkel? Over Kai Booty? I think my number one pro is still Finkel. Okay. Um, just because, like, I think what a lot of what he did for the game changed how the game was viewed and how games are viewed. Okay, sure. Um, my number one pro of all time, the one who does the most for the game, my favorite person on the pro scene, uh, if you're out there, uh, call me, uh, is one Mr. Jerry T. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. To be fair, to be fair, I liked Jerry Thompson before you liked Jerry Thompson. I oh. also like Jerry. I also love Jerry T. Um, 
but unfortunately Wizards of the Coast wants to pretend he doesn't exist. Yeah, very true. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's <laughs> only more proof that he's so important to the game. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, uh, that whole that whole survey they sent out, though, even though it said, what are your favorite podcasts, didn't list any podcasts. So I'll, I think you can look around that being a slight, but for some reason, Alpha Investments being on there was kind of weird. They've sent Alpha Investments cease and desist, which is really funny. But the fact that he was on the survey of who's your favorite magic content creator was really weird. Uh, anyway, so, you know, Chris, do you, are you are you happy with that, that conversation we had there? Do you need some more? No, that was good. I think I think okay. uh, I think it's definitely a one-two Finkel Buddha, or sorry, Finkel Apollo somewhere in there. Finkel still has more um, top eights, pro tour top yeah. eights, but uh, Apollo is close. I mean, that we forget like Apollo's been in the Hall of Fame for eight years. Twenty twelve, I believe. Apollo is the fir- is the youngest inductee. Yeah, and also like easily got in his first in his first eligibility, right? Yeah, yeah, and he's got um. nineteen Grand Prix wins. According to some Wikipedia here, which is but nine. But where does he stand on the on the Chion power rankings? Oh, I don't know. Where does anyone stand on the Chion power rank rankings? Besides Chion being at the bottom of the Chion. Yeah, Chion's <laughs> not doing too well this season in the Chion <laughs> power rankings. That's for is sure. LS, is LSV still like number four? I think LSV is making a good run for the the title this uh, this season. But you know, is, anything can happen thought, as uh, the Chion finals Chion, are coming. I thought uh, I thought Chion's son is just reigning supreme as number one Chion. I mean. He's been the best for the past like three years running. Okay. But you know anything can happen. It's a, sure. it's a shifty shifty rankings, you know. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. 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 But what about uh, uh, Chion? Also, like uh, low key um, uh-huh. about worlds. Since we're still being about worlds, sure. Uh, Chion was definitely one of the uh, low key best Twitters to be following during worlds. Yeah. Uh, he just sent like the best food pictures, mm-hmm. uh, like every day. Well, and then, you know, today he was tweeting about his uh, dull pineapple plant excursion, yeah. which I, I've had the chance to go to myself, and it, it's a fun time. Um, I will say about Worlds, um, you know, I I think the double elimination form was confusing, and I definitely miss uh, Worlds when it was, like, modern, standard, cube draft, it was, yeah. like, a made, bunch of different Made any formats, kind of right? sense at all? Yeah, remember, well, I Remember mean, when Worlds had, like, actual country teams? Well, they yeah. have that as well. There's the World Cup, and then this is Worlds. They're separate events. Oh, okay. Um, Who knows how anything this works is like the, This is the World Champ. There's Worlds in the World Championship. I remember staying up till 3 a.m. to watch Worlds in Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, in high school with, uh, with Chris. Mm-hmm. I, like, I, like I said, I... But I will say, um, them using Arena, even though, again, let's be honest here, Worlds is just to sell Arena. Right. Um... I definitely think having Arena there definitely helped speed some things up, mm-hmm. and it was nice. And, you know, if things keep improving with Arena and maybe we get Pioneer, I'm open to talking about it. Uh, but I still think, you know, Paper Magic is, you know, where the heart is and where it should be played. But uh, in those big types of events, those premier, those high-level premier events, uh, it did help speed things up, even though, geez, some of like the time between these events. Granted, you know, they're showing every game, every match. Uh, but it was like, all right, Paulo made finals... And it was like another two hours before they figure out who he was going to play against. Mm-hmm. Um, they were yeah. trying to run it like an FGC tournament, right? Sure. Yeah. It's like they were running. It, it. it was it was double limb. And it was kind of weird because like I know like Paulo was like, oh well, you know, like I went undefeated or whatever, so I just auto advance into stage three of top eight. So he like skipped a whole stage of playing. I don't know. I just I just I just miss worlds when it was like 
I mean, that's what uh, happens so, in that's what happens in like in FGC and stuff like that. I mean, I mean, no, no, I understand that. It was just like, but again, like I just missed worlds. And it was like sixteen rounds, and it was like four different formats. It was just interesting, right? It was like this. It was like one draft, and then that led to a whole other bag of worms. Uh, but you know, any any other? Mo- I mean, that, I mean, that's this is we're talking here to talk about Pioneer. Pioneer is one thing, a draft, and a bunch of standard. Well, any, any other final final thoughts on on, on worlds? worlds yeah, Hawaii is pretty sweet. Hawaii is pretty sweet. I've there got to go. go there. Ooh, I'm Ruckman. I went to Hawaii. Mm. My dad had the Sega channel. <laughs> I, I do not I do not have Sega channel dad. <laughs> I wish I had Sega channel dad, but I'm not Paul. Um, <laughs> all right. So moving on, uh, you know, there was one real pioneer event outside of all the all the moto events going on uh, that did occur, and that is for those that don't know. Uh, there is the NRG series run by Nerd Rage Gaming, which is like a, a Midwest store. I forget where exactly they're based out of. Uh, maybe like Indianapolis, I want to say. I'm not entirely positive. Oh, uh, but they, they have like a, a Midwest series uh, where like every month they have like a different event that's a trial to like a seasonal thing. And they have like a big finals at the end. I think it's a really cool setup, especially like the Midwest area. And I would love to see something like that come to like Texas. You know, I think we're big enough that we can have. And so the stores here are definitely big enough to have something like that happening, right? Um, so it's kind of a cool idea of just another sort of smaller independent tournament series to keep things fresh and going in between, uh, you know, visits of the Star City or the Grand Prix series, you know, especially people that can't really travel outside their, outside their memes, you know, Mm -hmm. um, they, they had a, they had a pioneer thing this weekend. Uh, one thing I do like to point out and I do want to give them kudos for is they tweeted out, even though they didn't give us all the deck lists, right? Uh, they did give us a metagame breakdown, uh, which, for those of you that haven't heard, uh, Frank Carson has been given the shutdown to fully to sort of stop giving us full breakdowns of uh, GPs and Pro Tours going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think even like the PTQ is happening there. That's just proof uh, Watsy so, hates math. Well, Watsy doesn't. Watsy wants to cover numbers where they can, right? They're anti-math. And, That's all there is. Yeah, to it. and I'm, you know they try to think like this is going to help some way, but what it really does is. It helps out the teams that are playing Magic who, you know, can go around and actually collect numbers. And it sort of makes it hard for single players to make big strides, especially like the Pro Tour, you know, right. which is already kind of hard for those types of players. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one thing they did, so they had 156 players at their Pioneer breakdown, at their Pioneer event this weekend. Um, and no surprise, about a third of those were spread between Inverter and Lotus Breach. Mm-hmm. Of 156 players, they had 24 Inverter, uh, 20 Lotus Breach, 16 Delirium, 16 Bants, 16 Dispirits, 13 Mono Red Variants, 12 Mono Black Variants, 12 Blue White Control, 6 Mono White Variants, 4 Is It In Soul, or 5 Is It In Soul, and 4 Ramp. And of course, they did post the top 16 deck lists to the I think surprise to no one here, Demir and Verter taking it down, right? Putting two decks in the top eight. Uh, noticeably, though, no Lotus Breach even in the top 16. Yep. Damping Sphere is a really good magic card. I, you know, I think out of the, those two decks, I think uh, Lotus Breach is the easier to hate out, like between some combo of like uninfinite obliteration, slaughter games type effect, makes like a couple Damping Spheres, right? Uh, but I think Lotus just attacks at too many different angles, to, or I mean, Inverters attacks at too many different angles to really be stopped by like one or two effects like that, or they can strip it out of your hand early. And I, I like know. this new angle. Have you seen this Inverter list in first place? 
Because it's hot. I mean, we definitely looked what, at it. What are you seeing? Which one here? The, the pack rats and the board? Pack or, or? rats and the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pack yeah. rats oh, going to yeah. play. Mm-hmm. I love me some pack rat. Uh, we, we were seeing that a little bit, but definitely I think pack rat is a is a good changeover for the, you know, you, you know your opponent's going to be coming to try and strip out those Thassa's Oracles, those inverters for your deck, there's a lot of games effects. So when you just have a pack rat in play, like, what's your opponent going to do, right? Like, you know, you just leave up your mana, you just start making rats, and, you know, pack rat we've seen over time is just, it'll take over games if left unchecked. Like, against, like, Niv to Light, where they get to, like, tutor for their unmoored ego and get rid of all mm-hmm. of your, like, inverters, just like, yeah, I mean, I can just play pack rat. Like you'll, yeah. you'll die to this too, you know. I like it a lot. I, he's got Kalidus in the board too. A lot of decks have been playing Kalidus in the board, but like the three pack rat, I think is like absolute fire. And pack rat to fuel your dig through time is sort of insane. Yeah, um, there's a real I mean, lack is... of hate against um, against Amir Inverter though. Looking up these lists, like a lot of people threw some damping spheres in there because it was easy to do. And like that hates out your Lotus Breach, which I think I'm guessing is what people came to came to fight. But like, if you look, I mean, there's the, not a lot of unmoored egos running around. There's not as many um, slaughter games types effects in general. Well, I mean, but hate, it's so. like if you look at this top eight, like there aren't many decks with black in them that can play those effects. Right. Yeah. Uh, the Sultai deck put a couple in in the sideboard. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's the Sultai deck. Like again, it can afford to play it, but like sure. Dampening Sphere. Any any deck can throw in like two damping for their sideboard, and honestly, pl- listeners, uh, any any sideboard you have going forward, if you're worried about Lotus Breach matchup, uh, include start with two damping spheres and then figure out your other thirteen slots. Right. Um, I also really like the second place mono red deck. It's just sort of like a uh, well, I couldn't decide which mono red build I wanted to play. Mm-hmm, uh, so I'm just gonna play. So I'm gonna them play both? all of them. Yeah. Um, I'm going to play two Annex. I'm going to play two Rimrock Knight. We're going to play some Bell Strikers. Let's just three three Tor Brand. That sounds about like the right amount. Uh, um, uh, two two Ember. Give me the, give me some Ember Cleaves. Um, you know what? Just four Wild Slash, four Lightning Strike. I don't know. Two Mutavolts, one Castle. Yeah, it sounds fine. I'm yeah, a little surprised. I, I mean, I'm sure this guy knows what he's doing, but um, the... You only have eight spells for your four Monastery Swift Spears and four Soul Scar Mages. Uh, Embercleave is also a spell. And Rimrock Knight. Yeah. True, true. Yeah, Rimrock and Knight. Bone so gives you six. You've got the Bone Crush Giants. You've got the Stomps. Yeah, very fair. Yep. Very fair. Yep, fair enough. Adventure that, that helps you out a lot. is a really dumb mechanic. Yeah, Adventure mm-hmm. helps you out a lot here. Wasn't even thinking about that. Uh, and, then a, and then a kind of a surprise here is Boros Feather in that third and fourth place slot. It's beating him down. Actually, Boros, Boros Feather and Simic Ramp, like two decks we haven't seen a lot of since the big breakout of Inverter, Delirium, and Lotus Breach, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think you're you're more likely to bring... That's one of the things I really liked about this format, like, before the kind of Inverter everything was, like, you could bring a solid deck, and if you played a lot of it and knew the matchups, it was, like, mm-hmm. early modern, where it's, like, the best decks were kind of decided by who put the most practice in. So, like, you could show up to this oh, big man. event, and as long as you played a lot of it and knew your matchups, like, and you came ready... That was the, the days of Tarmo Twin and all that yep. stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh. So, yep. so spe- speaking of modern, right, let's... I, I told the guys, I, I'm sure you guys are going to get at some point, you're you know, maybe already getting there on just hearing complaints from us, from other content creators, about Inverter, about Lotus Breach. Mm-hmm. So for us, I kind of have put out the idea of this will be like our last real big 
discussion on like what to do, what our stances are on it, and then we're just gonna let the decks exist until something happens. And I say until something happens because they came out and said today there's currently no ban list announcement on the calendar. Mm-hmm. And again, that could change any day they decide they want to go to Olive Garden. Right. Uh, especially, you know, maybe after they go see the Sonic movie, they'll get that hankering for Olive Garden. Because mm. I, I haven't seen it, but I heard there's apparently a lot of Olive Garden product placement. Heck yeah. So much so that James, James John Marson or whatever the heck his name is, apparently should be getting ad revenue from, from plugging them so much. Nice. Actually, uh, you know, it's, it's endless endless ravioli right now at Olive Garden, so we oh. could see a band list announcement at, at any point in time. Mm-hmm. At any point in time. Also, now that Olive give... Garden execs are listening, we are also open to uh, to shilling. Yeah. So, uh, yes. Olive Garden, take notice. You can just uh, send any, me gift anyone, cards and I'll mention yeah, Olive any, Garden. Let, let, me, let me put this out there. Anyone who, who wants us to shill for them, uh, at Crew 3, we are, uh, you know, at Crew 3 Podcast. Our DMs are always or, open. The DMs are open. Actually, they're closed. I, sh- I, I might open them for Olive Garden. Okay, all right, uh, all right. Uh, or you can email us at uh, crew3pod at gmail.com for business inquiries. Uh, we will shield, like, the best of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah or the or the mediumest of them. Yeah. Pretty pretty medium shielders. All right, back to the real world. All right, so do you guys what, – so what are your what are your – I've got a little bit of a diatribe worked up. Yeah, you're, uh, you're the what, most what are your final thoughts on, on Inverter and on Lotus Breach? All, all right. right. I'll go first here. I you guess. go first. You go first. Okay. I've got some thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I we we definitely have had some people who have kind of staunchly defended, like, well, no, it's okay. There's a combo deck in the format, and that's fine. I, I mean, that's, all opinions are valid here. Like, we've had some listeners be like, well, you know, I, I don't see the problem with Asus Oracle. I, I definitely get that, but like, you know, one thing is, we've had quite a few bands in Pioneer. So if you were fine with like the any mostly any of the other bands. It's a little suspicious to me that you're all of a sudden not okay with this one. Because, like, we have banned more cards for way less, you know? When the Golos deck was, like, not even that dominant, it was getting bans. Uh, Inverter is, just by the numbers, uh, more one of the more dominant decks we've seen in Pioneer. And as a result, in my opinion, is probably one of the first times that I would definitely grant a ban. I was not in favor of many of the other bans for this format. But, like, seeing how format warping this deck is because it gets to play all kinds of hard, sorry, hand stripping um, and then finish off with its combo, it's, in my opinion, more pressure than this format needs. I think it's ruined a lot of the deck diversity. And I think, again, thinking out Fast as Oracle in particular helps just the, some of the kind of the cheesier, cheesier decks go away. So we've banned uh, a lot of cards that, in my opinion, were you know, one-week flashes, right? We saw, like, one week, oh, we're going to take this take this card out because it was so dominant on Magic Online. Now we're seeing this in, like, Worlds, in all kinds of events. I'm very surprised they haven't banned it yet, and I'm, I'm hoping that they will. So I've got some thoughts. Okay. These are my final thoughts on the format as it is currently in its current state. Okay. Not um, currently in its previous state. Not in the previous state. Okay. Uh... Demir Inverter is fine. Bant Spirits is the actual most frustrating deck in the world to play against. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have done the testing. I might mm-hmm. lose more often to Bant, or sorry, to uh, to Inverter, mm-hmm. but I'm never not having a game of Magic. It never feels like just a landslide. It always feels like 
You Damn, have, I was You've so never had them thoughtsies you thought eraser you, and then you're just out of the game? I've been thoughtsies thought erasured, but I'm not out. Uh, normally, I'm not out of the game at that point. There's still a game mm. to be played. There's sure. things to be done. Um, not after they kill you on turn five. But, but you can't do anything against Pan Spirits. Mausoleum Wanderer is so oppressive. It's honestly it's just me because I just play Phoenix. But yeah. like Mausoleum Wanderer is so oppressive, and Rattle Chains just comes down and says no to anything, and Spell Queller says no to everything else, and like Collected Company is just too much value. Their guys get so big out of nowhere for no reason. They're just like, oh yeah, swing for nine, swing for eleven. Who cares? I uh, I just hate band spirits. That's does my this end Ricky's therapy session. Uh, well, hey Ricky, uh, I love that I love that take, uh, but I'm warning you now that's gonna all get edited out because I, I think our number one fan uh, does play band spirits, and uh, I may or may not have it sitting sleeved up on my desk at this. Uh, I mean, you guys are probably moment. decent people, and like I know you feel a little <laughs> bit bad every time like you just are sitting there with Spell Queller, and your opponent doesn't play into it, and you're just like, that's fine. Flash in a Rattle or, Chains or, and a Mosley Wanderer or, anyways. Or your, or your opponent plays a Dragon Egg, and you're just like, alright, that's fine, I'll just play this empty Spell Queller. Yeah. Yeah, when that happens to you. Counter whatever they're prepping uh, for. I just have the least amount of fun against any build of Bant Spirits. Whether they're playing Teferi, whether they're not playing Teferi, they're gonna Coco me, and they're always gonna hit the Spell Queller. Like, I'm gonna like cast something, and they're just like, Coco, oh, uh, spell queller, imperial eagle. I'm just like, yeah. Look, this podcast may or not be end, may or may not be ending in a couple weeks because I'll have coronavirus from buying some Chinese selfless spirits. Uh, so I'm gonna play this deck while I can. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but th- those are my final thoughts on the format as it is. If a ban happens, it happens. But Demir Inverter is probably the better deck, but it's not as annoyingly frustrating to play against as Bant Spirits. That's my that's my last statement on that. Alright. So let me start off by saying that at at this point, if if I sort of want to watch things adjust, um, after these last week, I definitely think that um, Underworld that Lotus Breach, uh, because of how easily it gets hit out by like Damping Sphere right and things like that. I definitely think Breach is a safer deck to exist in this format than uh, Inverter. Um, but let me let me try and pull up because I, I made some comments on just every on a bunch of different uh, platforms here in the last day or so that I sort of want to compile together to be my my full thoughts on on uh, especially Inverter, namely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you definitely had a um, manifesto. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I definitely might have adapted the "I want you to get mad" speech from Network uh, into being Pioneer themed, but I thought that was a little too much. Uh, so we're, I'm not going to go into that. Uh, so essentially, my thought, is, my main problem with them is that uh, the decks are attacking from a very different slash modern esque angle. I'm not someone against combo. I like combo existing. You know, we talked a lot about the uh, outcome. What was the uh, the Red Enchantment deck where you possibility storm? Play a car- like I love the possibility storm combo. I was totally fine with the original version of the Lotus Field deck. I like combo existing. I like having a diverse format where all these types of decks can coalesce. The problem is, especially in the way of inverter, and again, these types of decks were bound to happen. 
you know, these types of effects or major performance of the deck were bound to happen in the format. It just took only a set, though, is the problem. So the problem is, unlike Modern, where you can have multiple these types of decks existing, where they're all on, like, a similar power level, right, and there's some game between all of them. And, you know, I don't want to take away from that, you know, according to Ricky, I haven't had a lot of chance to play in the last couple weeks of moving and starting a job. Um, so I'm just sort of going off of just... Uh, analysis that I can that I can do without having to play personally. Um, so, but I've run a bunch of numbers here, and we'll go into those here in a second. Uh, they just attack the front from an angle that no other deck can do, while also playing arguably two, if not three, of the most interactive spells in the format between Thoughtseize, Fatal Push, and Mystical Dispute. All three of those cards being the most played cards in the format, if I remember correctly especially like as of now uh essentially people want to argue that dig through time is the problem dig through time i think is totally fine and we've seen dig through time exist uh and even then like after if dig through time gets banned i think these decks will continue to exist i think if we're gonna ban something i think it's gonna be thasis oracle now again that's because especially i like i just like the fact that Dig Through Time and Treasure Cruise can exist in a format like Pioneer. You know, they don't have a home, and that gives identity as much as, if not more identity, to the format than saying Demir Inverter is, like, the deck to have, right? And so, essentially, my, my other real point for point against them is that if you look at metagame percentage, right now, Demir Inverter is sitting at a 17.83% of the meta, according to MTG Goldfish. Uh, underneath that is Banskrits at 10%, Sultai Delirium at 8%, Lotus Breach at about 8.6%, Mono Black at 6%, everything else at 5% or less. At Twins Essential Height, when it was banned, it had a 9% of the meta. And at most, the other decks were 5% or less. And Pod, I don't have the exact numbers, but comparatively, I'm assuming it's around the same numbers when it ate the ban the year before Twin. Now, before Inverter came around, the probably most populous deck in the format, uh, you know, it varied, but at most it hit a 12-ish percent. That's not bad, and I don't think 17% of a meta is horrible or could be horrible. The problem is, you know, there will be events that cover up how dominant Demir Inverter is, where, you know, you don't see a lot of Inverter decks in a top eight, in top placing, but then you just have other events where you can't ignore the fact that here is just a block, or here are six out of eight in the top eight of Demir Inverter. Here's a block and a preliminary where it's like all the four and ones of five and oh, and a bunch of the three and twos are all Demir Inverter. When numbers are, when a deck is taking over like that, I think that's where we run into issues. And I think this is a deck that maybe if something gets banned out of it, I would like to see come back once the format has a chance to mature some more, add some more cards, add better interaction in the format. But right now, I think these, especially the form inverter, is not great for the health of the overall format. And we should put it on the shelf and take it back down once the format has some more growth to be able to support multiple decks of a similar power level because right now it feels too far ahead of the game fair enough i want to know uh addresses of these people that claim that uh, dig through time is the problem 
Well, they're all on Reddit and Twitter, so I'll see what I can do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, all right, I'll expect that list then by tomorrow. I'll, I'll try. I'll try. All right. All right. Um, anything else then while we before we sign off on Demir Inverter and Lotus Breach? Um, nope. Uh, I think that Demir Inverter is a lot of fun to play. I've been playing it. Mm -hmm. I don't doubt that. Again, I think the deck could be reasonably fine to exist at some point, but right now I don't think it's conductive to the growth and advancement of the format. You're probably right. You're probably right. All right. So enough of that negativity. But again, you know, I, I've been trying to help Chris pick a deck uh, for the last couple nights now because he needs something to play for the, some events coming up. And I think we've even come to the point that he's probably going to play Sultai Inverter because if you, why not play it, right? Mm -hmm. if, if, if nothing happens to it because apparently nothing's going to happen to it for the time being. Uh, so, you know, and again, play what you guys want. Play whatever you guys want, you know. Don't let us control what you play. If I'm not trying to. If you enjoy Demir Inverter, uh, don't let me stop you, obviously. Play it, enjoy it. Let him stop you. Like, <laughs> I'm be at the, I'm, if I'm judging that event, you better watch out. Yeah. Everyone just, everyone's disqualified. That's right. Uh, if you, if you rip a card or you register Demir Inverter, you're out. That's it. Donskis. All right, so, uh, you know, we already went, this actually went a little longer than I expected. I, I'm sorry for my rant took a little longer than I was initially anticipating. But, uh, I'm having you know, a my therapy session? You said it was my therapy session? I don't know about this. <laughs> Look, I, I was really bored at work today, and I had a lot of ideas on what to fair say. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, so, all right, so, you know, like I said, slow news week. So uh, I went ahead and I reached out on Twitter, uh, again, at Crew3Podcast on Twitter. Um, and I went out to some of the listeners on there, and I said... Hey, give us some cues to A. So let's to give let's look at some questions we were asked. Uh, here is let's sort of go down the line here and let's start with uh, Phil Paul's question of how about your ranking of all the such slash blocks in Pioneer or maybe your favorite slash most hated sets. So guys, what do you think are the best sets or blocks in Pioneer right now? Uh, Theros Beyond Death. Theros Beyond Death. <laughs> Throne of Eldraine. Throne of Eldraine. Nope. Eldritch Moon. Theros, he said first. Just reinforcing my hot takes victory. Theros, Eldraine, um, Eldritch, Moon. Eldritch Moon. I think those are the best sets. I'm pretty sure like, if you refined yourself to those sets, you could probably play a halfway decent deck. Essentially, you can build just blue-white spirits out of just... Uh, Eldritch Moon. Eldritch Moon and uh, what was the other Innistrad set? Shadows of Innistrad. Yeah, yeah. You got your spell colors, um, your selfless spirits, your Mosley Wanderers. Yep. Uh, M twenty is another good set with a lot of high, high impact cards. M twenty is a weird core set. It was a very powerful core set, surprisingly. Ugh. And then I mean, it was followed by Eldraine and Theros Beyond Death, two like really powerful sets. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, actually, you know what? Here's one thing I almost forgot before we move on to the next question. Um, how did you guys feel about the Challenger deck announcements? The Challenger There's decks? some good value in those in those decks. Yeah, I mean, you know, definitely they're they're made for standard, right? They're the four decks. I think, you know, without MSRP being a thing, they're going to go for about $30, $35, I think it's pretty safe to say. Um, I think one of them is definitely decidedly worse than the others, but three of them... Even for Pioneer players, you know, I think they're worth looking at to pick up. One of them has a Brazen Borrower and a Fabled Passage in it. And that, of course, I think being the weaker of the three that I think are good in the Civic Flash deck. But, I mean, me and Chris messed around with Civic Flash a little bit. And uh, I think it's close to having it. It definitely had some legs before the uh, 
the inverter menace showing up. Doesn't it have a breeding um, pool in it too? No, I think it just has a fable passage. Uh, but still, fable they either passage. Have a, they either have a shockland or a fable passage. Fable passage is uh, that card's a little expensive uh, right now. I think I think the two best ones are definitely either the adventure deck, which gives you a fable passage, and like two Knight of the Evan Legion and two Murderous Rider. Um, you know, it's a pretty good start to building like mono black. And then giving you some little bit of trade value there. And I think I need to go back and look at the list, but that mono red list for Pioneer isn't isn't horrible. It's got a lot of it's got a lot of play sets of good cards in there. I have the lists up if there's anything you were wondering. Uh, and definitely I think, you know, the uh, the Fire Super Friends deck should have had a fairy time raveler. It should have. Also, I don't want to encourage more people to play that card. That's fair. Um, either Teferi or Fires of Invention. <laughs> you know, fair enough. Honestly, um, I just I, I just want to play Magic the Gathering, and both of those cards yeah. prevent someone from playing Magic the Gathering. Uh, fires, especially the spell. Fires, you just prevent yourself from playing Magic the Gathering. You just start playing Yu-Gi-Oh. You get one normal mm -hmm. summon and one special summon a turn. Uh, but yeah, so Pioneer players, if you guys are looking uh, somewhere to start or some good value pickups, there you go. I mean, yeah, the uh, the blue green deck having Brazen Borrower and uh, Fable Passage, I think, are both like twenty five dollars a piece right now. Yeah, it's like there's close to 20 on the field passage. Yeah. There's some good value there. Uh, anyway, so back to questions. Chris, did you have any any other thoughts on the sets or blocks in Pioneer? Um, I think you guys nailed the most powerful ones because, again, I think a lot of people talk about how like the last 12 months have just been the most insane for like a, a lot of formats. Mm -hmm. um, I like the cons block. Um, got us some cool stuff. Got us some devil spells. Um, got us some wild slashes. Got us some cool themes. So that's a, that's a block I, I that I'm a big I think for the of. most part, besides like... Ixalan, every set has some form of impact in the Pioneer format. Ixalan has sure, lightning strike Sure, it's a smaller it. pool. Ooh, lightning strike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I just think as far as like my favorite formats for Pioneer, that's that's the one that I'm a, I'm a probably a pretty big fan of. Fair enough, fair enough. Alright, so obviously I think, you know, I don't think it's going to happen just yet, but I can see in a year or so. Uh, we're going to get, like, a Pioneer Horizons or a... Please don't. Uh, Pioneer Master set. I, I, I just think we're going to get a... A Master set a way is fine. To, I, well, I just think we're going to get a way outside of maybe Standard to interject uh, some older cards in the format. So here's a question from at BlobfishXL. What older cards should be in the Pioneer format? You know, are there some cards you guys want to see injected into Pioneer? I think Ruckman and I agree on one. I think you can start off with that. Okay. Okay, so what was that card we agree on then? Uh, the card we agree on was Unburial Rights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was just a card that um, we, we do have some reasonable um, reanimation options in Pioneer, mostly, again, from some of the recent sets. We're actually, in my opinion, like lacking like the big creatures to get back. Like Angel of Serenity is kind of like an under-the-radar that like used to be a very powerful reanimation target because you could just get back... Like You could exile your opponent's threat from the board and then typically also get back... like one for yourself. So like, if you had milled another Angel of Serenity, you could get back an Angel of Serenity under itself, and then if they mm -hmm. killed it, you still have an Angel of Serenity, and just repeat that loop. But, um, yeah, other than that... We don't, have, we don't have, like, a Swag Tusk. We don't have, like, a Grizzle Brand, right? I, yeah, yeah like... we don't have the big one. I don't want Swag Tusk ever back in my formats. Hey, oh, that's man. fair. I, but, I mean, there's no, just, like, I don't think there's, like, a big bang for your buck reanimator target, is just kind of what we're saying, right? Yeah, nothing that's so strong. Otherwise, I think you'd see some attempts at it. There's probably some out there. Again, you've got your Zatalpas. Um, yeah, the other problem with Pioneer is we have every good graveyard hate spell outside of Relic of Progenitus. Right. Yeah. yeah um, there's a lot of good answers. I mean, 
Um, Fatal Push is, is one that's obviously played in pretty much every format, right? It's like, and that's legal in Pioneer. So I think mm-hmm. we kind of talked about it at the beginning of our, like early in our first couple episodes of like the answers in this format, at least for creatures and stuff like that, is, is pretty strong. I want uh, Master of the Pearl Trident. Yeah? In the yeah, there you go. I like that. It's a good answer. Yeah, make Merfolk uh-huh. viable. Make um, Merfolk great again. Like, I think with that card, and like you have Kumena, you have Merfolk Mistbinder, you've got... Uh, Silver God Adept. Silver Gill Adept. You've got mm-hmm. um, the one-drop green that's a 2-2 if you have Merfolk. I, I mean, essentially you have modern Merfolk outside of Curse Catcher and Aether Vial, right? Right. Um, but you also, yeah, and you get, of course, the Master of Waves and all that stuff. I think the deck mm-hmm. becomes pretty good. And um, I also think that I, I hate saying this. I hate these words that are about to come out of my mouth. I'm ready. Um, Thalia, Guardian of Thraben. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a good pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, what is a white card that would make white that, like, important? Right. If not... Is is Heretical Cathar close to being playable? Um... I think she is not even close to being playable. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Um, like, the only cute thing she does right now... I mean, I guess, like, she's, like, the only way you can punish non-basics. Sure. Um, but there's not all... Like, there's not too many non-basics anyways in this format, except for a niv mm. Sure. And, uh, like, the only real thing she stops with, like, the creatures coming to play tapped is Phoenixes. Okay, okay. So, like, I don't think she does anything as is. I think Thalia Heretic Cathar would, like, put some viability in white as a color. Um, so, like, I really, like, oh, man. Umberoids is, like, my big one. Uh, these are just some sort of, like, I, know, I don't think they're going to be good, uh, but I think here's some sort of uh, little pet ideas, at least for me in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me, like, a Rancor or, like... Uh, just for my own shiggles, mm-hmm. uh, can I get Predator Ooze? I mean, I personally would like Splinter Twin in this format. <laughs> you like Splinter Twin in every format. Because uh, we have Bounding Crisis. Okay. So, like, uh, I have to be three colors in order to play this combo. What about, like, a Wild Nacoddle or, like, a Flinthoof Boar? Yeah, um... I-, I actually thought pretty hard about a Wild Nacoddle. Um, just, like, make aggro a-, a teeny bit stronger, but, like... Again, I think aggro is fine-ish. I don't know. Like I said, I, I do like that card as a. As well, a the Cobbles feels weaker without like a fetch line, right? Like yeah, yeah. It's harder. It's harder to make aggro because like honestly, like my thought was like Tarmogoyf because like I think that card would be totally fine in this format. But then I was like, sure. Well, what does it do? Because like I, I don't know if that card's good enough. So it's like if I want to add it in, it's a card. I felt like I was thinking about cards that might have some kind of impact. Every, every card I think about adding in, I'm like that card's probably too good for. Here. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I really like Ricky's picks. I think those were like better, and we had uh, longer to think about it. My thought that was, um, I, I don't know if it's good or not, because again, we were just talking about the lack of big creatures. I kind of wanted to see Polymorph. Just because okay. I, I love me some Polymorph decks, you know? Isn't there, is there not a probably... Polymorph? There's that one in red, that creativity or whatever from... Mad, uh, uh, well, there's also a Madcap. Kind of I, I don't think you can just play actual Polymorph. Fair enough. I think that... Uh... I think Prismatic Vista would be pretty cool. Sure. Because uh, Fabled Passage feels a little lame sometimes. Mm-hmm. What about uh, Arkham's Astral? No, no, no. Never, <laughs> ever in my life. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I, 
even though Chris and I had a few more hours to think about this, I mean, it's a that's a pretty hard question. I mean, I think you know, there's there's still so many options in Pioneer, and you know, I, I even though you know I say like I don't think Inverter is super healthy for the format. Uh, clearly, there are decks still winning around it. I just think like if we could get some players off of Inverter just to go back to go back to the uh, the drawing boards and bring out some more tech. Like I I still think. There's plenty of stuff to explore in Pioneer. Did I tell you a secret keeper to an inverter player? No, you didn't. That sounds amazing. Uh, I was playing my uh, Dredgeless Dredge. Yeah. And my opponent inverted. Mm hmm And they tapped out to invert, and they had three cards in library. And they tapped out I mean, to that's invert. Why, that's why, like, um, uh -huh. some of the some of the decks are playing, like, Ipnu Rivulet now, right? Just to, like, get your get your opponent right? Yeah. So, they, so they, the, some of the non-inverted yeah. decks, you just Rivulet your opponent when they inverted? He was a three-card deck um, when he inverted, and he did it because his hand was um, Thassa's Oracle, Thassa's Oracle. So, like, sure. he was like, yeah, I'm just going to be able to play both Thassa's Oracles, and you can't stop them both. Mm -hmm. And so I just ventured deeper to him. The the mill half of Secret Keeper. Mm -hmm. Sure, it's just you're playing target forty chess. Here. It's target player, so I just milled him three, and he goes, "I win," and I'm like, "How?" <laughs> you die on your. He's up. like, <laughs> "Oh, I lose with no cards," and I was like, "Yeah." Yeah. He's been living. He's been he have, living too good for too long. Yeah, if he doesn't have Jason play that, that definitely works. Yep. Mm -hmm. All right. So next question is. Uh, from Bean395, what are our thoughts on the Heliod decks? Well, I love them. I think we went over that a couple weeks ago. I also like but, the Heliod um, decks. Yeah, I, I am I am thinking that's kind of like the combo that I am comfortable with in this format, because it takes like either a fair amount of setup to put extra plus one plus one counters or attack with lifelink creatures in order to set up your, your combo there. Um, it can technically kill on turn four if you have everything perfectly set up, but, like, you know, if your opponent's not interacting with you at all, maybe they deserve to die on that turn. But, like, watching decks that, like, aren't all in on it, like, they typically need six mana. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's hard to play effects just for funsies that add counters that, like, aren't getting you super good value. So, at least right now, again, that could change. But that, that seems like the combo that I'm comfortable with in this format, and I think they're definitely solid. It's the speed of combo that I, that I want for this format, so... I mean, definitely Heliod decks feel like the prestige for the real magic trick of Inverter coming out, right? The combo we should have been worrying about all along. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, white needs all the help it can get. So In every format. In, in, definitely in Pioneer more than any other format. I've never... Commander? Huh? Commander? I mean... Real fights. I... I, I I'm, I don't oh, have a top eight deck. Oh list. no no no! We aren't we aren't we aren't going to start that warfare. <laughs> I, if you send me the top eight deck lists of the last commander event, uh, then you know we can talk about right, white viability and commander. I'll see if I can. I'll see if I can get Jimmy Wonger. All right, sounds good. Please. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I I think white needs all the help we can get. So I'm glad that there's a deck that has a like semi powerful strategy in white, and that makes me happy because like. Back when, especially when the format was like mono black, mono green, mono red, and like sometimes mono blue, and it was just like, mm -hmm. what's white? Magic is a great game with four colors. Yeah. So. Or six if you watch that arena ad. Oh yeah, that arena ad had, had the six color. I swear if Aquaria has the six color, I'm going to cry. 
cry. Ikoria is not going to add a six color. I'm, I don't know why I'm, I'm like super worried about Ikoria, just because of how powerful the past three sets have been. I think Ikoria is going to bring in the uh, what was the what was that mechanic called from last unset where you got to like glue two guys together? I really hope not, because that looks bad. We, we already had that in the the one set. You controlled both, they fused together. Meld no, is meld, meld, meld. Was, meld was different. It is different, but I mean, you know, as far as putting two cards together, like, also, I really, they've done that. I really don't want any two-face cards. The other theory I heard about Ikoria was, like, modal cards that you pick before the game starts. Like, um, like you mark your card for, like, oh, I want A ability instead of B ability. Which, like, just seems like hell for the secondary market. Mm-hmm. You have to have eight copies of every card now. Something like that, right? Like, so like they they generally like they stay away from things that do that because right because like remember when like they talk about like original battle for Zendikar design like they sure. originally had like Eldrazi runes or whatever and like when yeah. the Eldrazi like instead of processing what they did is they came into play and you drew from the like Eldrazi like dis- devastation deck okay, there was like yeah. a side deck of things that happened when Eldrazi occurred and they were just like. Uh, this is bad because then somebody has to carry around, like everybody has to carry around this stack of ten cards everywhere they go. But it was, Isn't that it what was just like, an, I, and I, that was just something I saw when it was like, you know, Ikori is like build a behemoth or build a monster. So that was when people are like, well, like what if it's a modal card? Like you decide before like you even show up at the tournament, right? Like, mm-hmm. you you have a monster which is stat and everything like that. You just get to like pick the abilities while you register your deck. So it's like you register like. XYZ card like parentheses A mm-hmm. or something like that. I don't know. Like it seems weird, but like I'm just so curious. I is this the set that Morrow was like he's excited about? Morrow is excited about this set. But he, he he's excited about every well he's excited so about every if, set. Whenever Morrow gets but... excited about a set, we normally see a cost reduction mechanic. And uh let's can we yeah. check the track record on those uh cost reduction those... mechanics? Those have historically been great for magic. I'll just tell you right oh, now. Man. Don't even bother looking it up. Well, uh, Don't even uh, bother looking uh, it up. Uh, computer, please run the numbers. Alexa? Uh, can I get a nude tame? Yeah. Oh, the computer says that uh, all of them have been absurdly powerful. OP broken? Uh, yeah. Cascade, Phyrexian mana, uh, Storm. Yeah. Let's not. Affinity. Affinity. They, no, Affinity no, hold yeah. on. they brought back Affinity. We, we made Affinity work. They were like. Like, yeah, Mark Rosewater was like, you know what I could do? Or Gavin Vare, he was like, you know what I could do? And he was like, I'm going to sneak Affinity into the already the most broken set that we've ever printed in our life. And just put it there. And not tell anyone. And we've had, like, Metalworker Colossus. We've had uh, the Guardian who has Affinity for Gates. Uh, I mean, I'm talking about, like, Eldraine. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that didn't happen. Look at the adventure cards. Look at the showcase. Don't you want to buy the premium packs? Premium packs? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Affinity, you know, I, I think Affinity was a thing where uh, it's an interesting thing that you can sneak in right here and there, but uh, when everything was Affinity and everything had broken artifacts, that was when it was a problem. Yeah, I do think that it's less of a problem. I mean, like, if anything, L-Train shows us, like, cards like Embercleave, it's just like, you know what? Uh, cards that just cost less if I play the game are, are yeah. just mm-hmm. really good. 
I have affinity for attacking creatures. Yeah. <laughs> nobody ever wants to attack with creatures, though, so nobody should be sneaking this in for what two about, mana. Like, what about, like, if they brought back, like, Chroma? Chroma? Or what was the... Yeah, what's, like, are you talking about the one where, like, if you pay, like, what Bring the Light has kind of type thing? Uh, so, like, okay. The more no, mana you pay for it, Chroma. the... What was, like, the primal crux or oh. whatever? Well, there's the creature that, like, oh, costs, yeah. like, From mana's Eventide. less for each, like... It was Chroma. Yeah, yeah you're right. It was, uh, it was, it was Devotion, before Devotion. It was Devotion, but, like, cost reduction Devotion. No, no, no. there was one card... No, 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 Primal Crux just has power and toughness equal to your, to your Devotion. Okay. They, they changed that mechanic I to thought devotion. it was cheap. I thought it was cheaper for each green pip you had. No, that was Colony Hydra, and that was a random one card that does that. Okay, alright, alright. When do the Avatars cost less? Um, when you are way ahead of the game. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> they just cost like X. They cost like six less. Or, with, like no, it's BS when you're way behind, right? They're all comeback mechanics. Because like the green, the green yeah. one costs two two. He's two mana for a five five trampler. If your opponent has three creatures in play, and you have gotcha. none, and then like hmm. Avatar of Slaughter is like, uh, if you already have like ten creatures in your graveyard. Mm-hmm. So like, if, you know, if you are losing the game. Here's an old strategy I want to bring back. Bring back Deus of Calamity. I gotta look up and make sure that's even the card, but like, let me ramp to a Deus of Calamity on turn one or turn two. All in red? Oh man. Murder people. Yeah, all in red. Ricky, how would you feel about like a Vengevine reprint? I would love a Vengevine. Oh, I would love a Vengevine. I love how we're talking about this during the Heliod stuff. Oh, like, yeah. Let's go back and talk about that question. Sorry. So good. Heliod's great. He's a cool guy, and he doesn't afraid of anything. He's, he's a really cool gay. That's what all those <laughs> if, friends say. If you sleep up that 75, I respect you so much. Show us your Helia deck, yeah. Bin the Vampire Lord. Show us your Helia yeah. deck, and, and we will talk about it uh, on Does It Slap uh, in the coming weeks. Yeah, so let's use that as our segue to our new end-of-show format. Again, uh, we're trying out this, this, this uh, end-of-show segment again. Uh, we're going to try and start introducing some new end-of-show segments, but we're going we're gonna to mix it up. Uh, from last week, where instead of uh, instead of bring looking at a deck uh, that we made, uh, we're going to take a look at a deck that one of you guys made. Hey, uh, one of you guys being our listeners. People listen to uh, us because one of the questions we were asked was by uh, JDDCLD2, JD. our homie JD, JD sure, the famous, sure. the infamous. He uh, he asked us, "Hey, uh, here's my mono black deck." What do you guys think? Uh, so let me link this to you guys real fast. You'd already have it pulled up. Oh, I've got it. And uh, let's take a look at his deck list. And uh, does this deck slap? Uh, so real fast, the deck list is three Murderous Rider, four Blood Soaked Champion, four Knight of the Ebon Legion, four Gifted Aetherborn, three Time Rat Chosen from Death, three Ayara, First of Lockthwain, two Erebos Bleakhearted, Two Nightmare Shepherd, three Rankle, four Grey Merchant of Asphodel, four Fatal Push, four Drag from the Underworld, and then a mix of some lands with Castle Lockthwain, Detection Tower, Fatal Passage, Nykthos, Swamp, and Swamps and Urborg. So, what do you guys think here? So, I here's a take on Mono Black. That is, here's a take on Mono Black that's more uh, kind of devotion focused. So, you know. Uh, Let's uh, let's let's try and help him out here. Uh, what do we like about the deck? Uh, where could things go? I know right off the bat, I gave him some of my thoughts online before we sort of came to the conclusion of 
turning this format and looking at user deck lists. Uh, so my thing was, I definitely, you know, I think for a local, if you're if you're looking at your locals, I think this is a really fun deck to sort of start with, mm-hmm. to sort of go with. Um, I definitely, I think if we're going to go hard into Devotion, I want to look at the standard builds and maybe add some, like, Woe Striders and Bolas of Citadel to help just churn through that deck, that top of your deck list faster and just start getting as much advantage as possible. Because if you're, if you're flipping Fat Garys, you don't care about how much life you're paying, right? Right. Um, and I think, I mean, that, that was sort of where I started. Um, and another question he asked us was... Uh, how do you think mono black without thought sees? Um, I think especially now it's definitely a little risky, but like, you know, if you're just playing at locals and you're not worried about, uh, you know, taking down a grand pair or something like that, like there are definitely alternatives to thought sees. Uh, what's the, uh, the one from Theros anguished, um, Oh yeah. The two mana one. Oh, ang- yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's anguish remorse. Anguish from War. Like, that's a, that's a good... That's a current set and a cheap card. It costs one more, uh, but, you know, it does Thoughtsies and an Exiles. Yeah, it Exiles. Yeah. It costs you one life. Um, that would be better than just going in on, like, uh, four Dragon of the Underworld here. Uh, I don't feel like one or two Dragon of the Underworld still, because you're going to get a lot of cheap go off of it, but when uh, one of the... What was I thinking about here? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, Dragon of the Underworld, like, again, I think... I never liked Dragon's Underworld as a big four of. I don't feel like there's like a two of like at most to help support your other rule spells. Um, so, but I mean, I'm talking a lot here. So, what, what do you guys think of this deck? deck? The only thing I really see as a problem is okay. that um, our boy out here is a little afraid of hexproof with two detection towers. I yeah. think that the lands here. I think that like this deck slap. I think okay, this deck slaps. Um, I think that the lands here don't slap as hard as they should. Yeah, Fable Passage feels like a weird include. I think that you want two more Castle Lockthwain, because that card is so unbelievably stupid and just steals mm-hmm. games that you have no business winning. And I think we cut the Fable Passage, we cut the Detection Towers, you you find somebody at your locals, you can actually probably trade some Fable Passages for some Nykthoses. Uh They're pretty darn close in value right now. But uh, we, mm-hmm. play, we play... The four Nyctos, we play four Castle Lockthwain. And if you're when you're not on Udavolt, like you don't really need the Urborg. Um, I still like the Urborg because it makes your Nyctos like. Um, Urborg is the fine. Urborg's fine. Okay, all right. But uh, um, uh, but like, yeah, I definitely think you're right on the Detection Tower. Like, you don't have cards to interact with the land base, so like that's the only real like Lotus Seal is like the only real hexproof thing right now to worry about. Right. And uh, you have, like, you could play Liliana's Triumph if you're really afraid of, like, the Boggles deck or something like that. Like, there mm-hmm. are good Edict effects that you can play in yeah. the board. Uh, I like the sideboard here, like, Blight Beetle, Erebos, God of the Dead, for, like, that Heliod matchup. Uh, Dreadhorde General is a good card. Mm-hmm. He's got four Leyland of the Void, which is a card that I hate to see. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I think... He's also, like, Timer in the main board. Oh, my gosh. The Yards look out. Um, yep. I think that... I don't know if we have... Sorry, go ahead. I think that this... Um, I think he just needs to put some uh, damping spheres and some uh, of the... What's it called? The two-mana Thoughtseize, but not Thoughtseize from the new set. Yeah, I think we could take out some, like, Drag the Underworld and maybe, like, a creature to bring in, like, four of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then maybe, maybe get, like, the Raska's Contempts. Like, we could probably get rid of those for some damping spheres. Mm-hmm. There's like some heroes downfalls or something like that. Um, 
He's already running like, like murder. I don't think you, need, you are, but I mean like Vraska's. I don't think like, you need Vontu's like, last reckoning because like you have so many creatures, like you're not wanting to wipe the board ever, almost. And also like Gifted Aetherborn already does a lot against like the aggro matchups. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think. That's very true. Yeah. You get to tackle from a lot of angles. I like this deck. I like the devotion build. Um, my uh, old roommate Matt Scott is back into magic in paper because of Pioneer Mono Black Devotion. Is he is he back on his old BS? He is, uh, yeah, back on his old BS. Uh, um, another another thing I think with adding Woe Strider uh, Citadel combo sort of in there, it makes a little more use of Nightmare Shepherd. Mm-hmm. I love this Nightmare Shepherd. So like I I've I've had dreams of like. Just playing Nightmare Shepherd, sacrificing my Gary, making another Gary, just like all of the nonsense that this deck can do. Yeah. I love it. I think this deck slaps. I would rate it. Um, I'd rate this deck like a good uh, uh, six Shia buffs out of ten. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give it a four timer at the Burger Kings out of five. Oh, not bad. Four out of five, huh? Yeah, I I have a couple thoughts I want to bring up here, um, and that is to say that like I I also agree this deck slaps. I I think just you can do a lot with Gary here. I'm interested to see like I'm interested to see us kind of pick a direction here. Um, I I think like two Nightmare Shepherd uh, is is fine. Don't get me wrong. This card is very well statted. Anytime you get a a flyer that's um, attack and toughness is equal to its mana cost, like you are doing fine. Like there's a lot of formats where that's just fine. But, like, we don't have a ton of synergies there. And I will tell you, that card has a very interesting synergy with Mutavault. Where, like, you get your Mutavault back. So I'd be interested to see us trade those failed passages for Mutavaults. As much as fun as it is, you might think, <laughs> That's to, like... That's the weirdest um, thing. It is the weirdest thing. I've seen it happen. Um, because I... The deck I was talking about last week that I lost to was a version of this. Okay. And, um... Fabled Passage, I think, should be Mutavault because of that interaction if you're going to keep the Nightmare Shepherd. I'm also fine just getting rid of Nightmare Shepherd and playing something else. There is that, um, what's that guy that if you lose life, he costs like three and he's a 4 4 or a 6 6 flyer or something like that printed recently? If you lose life, he costs three? Yeah, he costs less. You can, you can, um, Spectacle. Oh, there's or like, there's like Spawn of Man. Spawn of Man, I think, is the card I'm But he's of. if your opponent loses yeah, life. Spectacle. What ifs? I, exactly, there you go. Um, I think that the Bloodsoaked Champion is a little bit um, awkwardly placed. I don't know that it does enough for us. I'd love Knight of the Limited Legion. I think that's an excellent card no matter what. Well, that's why I'm saying, like, I think with, like, a Yara and Bloodsoaked Champion, like, I feel like if we, in Nightmare Ship, we can maybe lean into that sacrifice a little bit more. Some Priests, some Woe Strider, some if Citadels, If we take out Bloodsoaked right? yeah. Champion and put in four What's Cauldron that? Familiar? Ooh. Yeah, you can do that. That's actually the now? version of the deck that I... That I that I played against. I, we'll I don't know. Add, we'll have to add some cat. We'll have to add some ovens for those cats, though. Yeah, that that again. That is that is the way you should go if you want to lean more into Nightmare Shepherd. Um, I sure. I think you could make a version of the sex sand, deck Sans Nightmare Shepherd and Sans Bloodchoke Champion and lean into just some other um, aggressively costed black cards because they they tend to have the best. And again, I think four drag to the underworld may be a little bit much, but overall, like I think this is a a great list of cards, and I think like I just think that you can. You probably want to f- focus it a little bit more, whatever direction you're wanting to go. Whether or not you want to make it a little bit more aggressive, whether or not you want to lean more into the Nightmare Shepherd build, which you could do if you want to go like super lulzy. But like if you want a little bit more consistent, I think um, instead of the two mana thing, like if you want to play a little bit more aggressive, just play Duress. Duress gets rid of. Duress is legal in this format, I assume. 
Yeah, it was printed in that uh, priority set. So Duress is a card that I think that you should uh, consider playing if you want to be a little more aggressive. I think you can beat down. Rankle's a great card in an aggressive version, and it lets you take their answers to your threats. Like I said, if you want to be a little more mid-range, I think you could definitely play the two-mana version of that, and again, maybe swap out the Fatal Passage for some uh, some Mutavolts. Um, and I would, I would give, like, probably whatever our friend... Uh, whatever our friend JD is going to take this deck, once it's in its final form, I'm going to give this deck three Drag to the Underworlds out of four slap rating. Mm, that's a pretty good slap rating. Okay. Three, right. three, three out of four. I, I, like I said, love it. I'm glad that you're trying to do something off the beaten path. I think it's super sweet. I think Garys are a, a great thing to be doing. So, yeah. We're all, we're all, all right, a well, big fan. Well, thank you, JD, for, uh, I guess unknowingly becoming our first yeah. content our first uh thank you so much by the way for at, uh, yeah for sending this brew very, yeah very much so um it. expect now i guess when the episode goes up within like a day or so over the weekends uh we'll, we'll put out a call on twitter for people to send us a mission for uh if their deck slaps or not and we'll, we'll p- take a pick from there right yeah um and hopefully you know we get some good submissions we get some talking uh actually hold on here breaking news I did see we got one more question come through on Twitter, and I'm going to allow it to happen. Uh, the question is, is and or should Chris finally trade Ruckman those thought seizes? Wow. Uh, and the answer is the yes. Is no. Who, who tweeted that one? Ruckman? Uh, you know, it, yeah. it, uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't can, matter. I, can I have that Twitter <laughs> handle real quick? Uh, who is? Uh, yeah. Uh, that was tweeted by mm. a uh, one. Uh, Which reminds me. You both. We're right here. What? Are you? Are you okay? No, I'm still a toast right now. But that reminds <laughs> me. Where, where can we be found on Twitter? Yeah. All right. Uh, so we are actually. Hold on. We didn't answer this question. Uh, what are we? What are we doing these thoughts? Hold on to your thoughts, Jesus. Oh, Ricky gave the answer there, Ruckman. I think that's a great answer. We'll have to go with it. Ricky All wins right. hot takes this week. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for listening. As always, if you like us, drop us a review. Please spread the word. Tell your friends. Look out for us talking, asking for uh, your doesn't slap deck list. We are at Crew 3 Podcast, or mainly I am at Crew 3 Podcast. It's sort of the official show that I run. Uh, you can find Chris and Ricky on their own Twitters. Chris, you are... It's underscore Christmas with no T in the Christmas. And Ricky, you are? also Steve. And again, if you're looking to have a shill for you, you can reach our business line at crew3pod at gmail.com. That is crew3pod at gmail.com. Olive Garden or Ross Miriam, please call us. We love candles. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, bye. Bye.